Hello, and welcome back to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me again this week is Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello, hello. And U Street. Hey, y'all. So, um, it's been a little while since we've done one of these. I think it was, what, just before Christmas? Last time we, we popped one of these out, is that right? My my Sounds memory failing right. me? Sounds about right. Yeah, we uh, hyped up the bowl and the recruiting and then uh, took a nice little holiday. Hey, holidays are important. Uh, if you, if you dear listeners, have not taken your holiday, what's wrong with you? And go take one. Um, but we're back. We've got some uh, good stuff to talk about, some frustrating stuff to talk about. So let's just lead with frustration because that's what gets the clicks. Uh, so I was, I basically stopped paying attention to Twitter at, at halftime of the women's game when Minnesota was up by eight over Iowa. And this was pleasing to me. And I've just been informed that we got our asses kicked in the second half. Is that a fair assessment of what happened, Andy? Uh, yeah, that would be a fair assessment. Um, the, the Rose has, has come off of the, uh, the Gopher women's basketball team bloom, um, and you know, I think the, the rose has come off the bloom. The, the uh, well, the, the entire rose is now shriveling up and dying in a heap on the ground. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, Andy also mixes metaphors way better than the Gophers play defense. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, Re- remember last year when uh, Marlene Stallings was coaching and this team couldn't play defense, and then all of a sudden this team could kind of play defense. Uh, it's pretty much because they were playing the little sisters of the poor. Because now that we're in the Big Ten season. Lo and behold, they can't play defense again. Um, yeah, the Gophers lost tonight to Iowa, uh, 81-63. to Iowa shot 69% in the second half. Um, the only reason the Gophers were up eight at halftime is they'd forced 14 Iowa turnovers and only had three of their own in the first half and had outscored Iowa 18 nothing on points over tur- alpha turnovers in the first half. Uh, needless to say, Iowa made halftime adjustments, and the Gophers did not really do that because um, the Gophers couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and they got really, really frustrated and took bad shots, and then Iowa just got so many easy buckets in, in transition, it wasn't even funny. So, um, lo and behold, that's what's happened to the Gophers a couple of times here. That's a very similar description to the Michigan State game. Uh, that's a very similar description to the Michigan game. Um, Gophers, you know, like I said, they, they started out uh, with the 12-0, the third best record in school history. Um, they beat Wisconsin to start the Big Ten season, and now they've lost four Big Ten games in a row, and it's uh, not going to get any easier for them here coming up uh, as, as the schedule goes forward. But uh, Street, you were paying a little attention to the game, too. Um, the Gophers just couldn't do anything in the second half tonight. They couldn't do anything in the second half. On top of it, they are in desperate need of the return of uh, Gadiba Hubbard, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. At this point, it's probably the case that they'll be shooting for a medical redshirt for her. And part of the reason why they desperately need a third perimeter scorer is currently Destiny Pitts, their actual best player regardless of the fact that Kenesha Bell is getting more honors, Pitts makes this offense go, is shooting something like, what is it, 7 for 37 from behind the arc in Big Ten play? Uh, 7 for 39 in Big Ten play. Yeah, so sub-25% from the three-point line, and she also shoots a lot of them. So that's a key part of the offense. So you're not getting anything from her from three-point land. Kenesha Bell was 9 for 20 tonight, but tends to score very inefficiently. So she's a big volume scorer. 
Sometimes that's fine. It's definitely fine when the other players in your team are efficiently scoring, which is not true against Iowa tonight and hasn't been true for most of the Big Ten play. But there's no actual third, real third scorer on the team. Ty Bello will get another double-double, as she did tonight. She's turned in a really fantastic senior season. Annalise Lamke has played substantially better than we expected. But neither one of those players are, A, an outside scorer, so you can cramp the post but on top of it they're not going to be players that get their own offense that's what the gophers are desperately missing the other bit and this also will carry over into the men when we're talking about the men's team is that so much of the struggles for this team is players who are good just not executing in a way that they should be executing destiny pitts is a fantastic basketball player she's going through a dreadful slump right now until she stops going through a dreadful slump it will be difficult to see the gophers winning games against teams they shouldn't win and that's that's frustrating well, it's not even the teams they shouldn't win. It's the teams they should win. Uh, this team lost at home to an Illinois team that had lost 29 straight Big Ten games. They blew a 10-point lead after the third quarter to an Illinois team that had not won 29 straight Big Ten games. I mean, that's that's unacceptable, no matter what you are. Um, you know, as you, as you said, it, it's basically Pell and Pitts, and, and they have no other real options. Lampke occasionally has a good game on offense, but she's a huge defensive liability. She had four fouls tonight, and she couldn't guard anybody in the post for Iowa. Um, any, any quick post player just is schooling her down low. Um, and they have no, no other real backups other than her in the post. I mean, I, Irene Garado-Perez and... Uh, Palma Capozzi tribe, but they're basically the women's version of Bakari Kanate and Gaston Jeju. So, I mean, they, they really don't give too much support there. Um, and, and as we said, we a lot of this blame goes back to, to Marlene Stallings and the way she recruited and the way she tried to get some players and, and things like that. So, you know, it's not all in Lindsey Whalen's head at all. But, um, you know, this team, like I said, they started out 12-0 and everybody was all excited. They got up to 12th in the country. They've now lost four Big Ten games in a row. Um, and unless they can figure out some way to right the ship, there's a very good possibility if this team can't figure it out, they won't make the NCAA tournament, which is just, you know, mind-boggling three weeks ago. Yeah, so I think that's the big takeaway for me is that it's uh, you know Stallings really did dig him in a hole they outperformed and now we get to see if they're able to you know claw to something um, that kind of matches to what the beginning of the season was I guess I don't think any of us are especially like stressed out about this or like upset it's it's more just you know disappointing and frustrating because you know this team clearly has the ability to be better I don't think I don't think the early season wins were a mirage. I don't think it's entirely about suddenly being in the big time, although obviously the, the step up in competition isn't helping. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see if Whalen and her staff can help this team grow a little bit and then start to pick up some of the, the wins that are still available on their schedule. Uh, I'm not going to be calling for anyone's head if they don't, but you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if they could uh, make some improvements and, I mean, on the other hand, maybe they're just too one-dimensional. Maybe with Pitts not shooting well and, you know, not enough post presence, that's just simply how you beat this team. You just out-muscle them in the post and hope they can't out-shoot you from from deep. And if that's the case, then I don't know there's a lot that the coaches can do. 
Given the lovely segue there to the men's team, which put up a fantastic second-half performance against a Rutgers team after losing to Maryland in a similarly catastrophic defensive effort, most of the questions about coaching are at a base level. If the coach puts the players in the position to succeed, that's the only thing a coach can do. There's a recruiting aspect, which you touched on with Marlene Stallings, but apart from the general management structure of being, in essence, the CEO of the team or whatever, at a college level, a coach can only put players in position to succeed. The players have to succeed. It is not Lindsey Whalen's fault that Destiny Pitts currently cannot hit the broadside of a barn. That's, that, that makes sense to me, but have you considered the fact that if Lindsey Whalen were to... I don't know, start wearing a jacket that she could throw into the crowd that that might somehow help Destiny Pitts out of her slump? I think that we we don't know. I mean, obviously, if she's not gesticulating wildly and screaming at her player, she's not coaching hard. So I assume that's a reason we should you know get rid of her now and see what Fred Hoiberg's up to. <laughs> One last thing, and then we'll move to the men for sure. But you know, looking at, looking at the schedule ahead, um, you know, they they need to get things figured out. They had two uh, Wisconsin uh, to play them for the second time in Madison Thursday night. Now that Madison that Wisconsin team is the Gophers' only Big Ten win this far, but they didn't play great in that game either. Um, you know, they struggled for most of the game, but because they are significantly better than this Wisconsin team, they grunted out a win at home. Um, but, you know, it's a whole nother thing playing in the Kohl Center in front of 800 people. Um, but, but If there are 800 people in the Kohl Center for that game, I will buy you a beer. <laughs> um, but, but that look, includes support staff that are required to make the Kohl Center work. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but, you know, looking at their schedule, it, it's pretty back-heavy. I mean, they, they play Wisconsin, then they go to Nebraska, which is an average team. Um you know, they've got Ohio State and Northwestern. Their last few games, they've got Rutgers twice, who Rutgers is 5-0 and in the Big Ten right now. They've got Maryland, which ranked, I think, 6th or 7th in the country. They end the season with Michigan State, who's ranked 15th or 16th in the country and ran them out of the gym. So, I mean, they've got their last six games, four or five of them, against ranked teams that should make the NCAA tournament. So if the Gophers can't figure something out, um, you know, they could be, they could be struggling to try and stay out of that. Uh, I mean, as much as we want to say it, they could be struggling to even stay out of that play in Wednesday night game for the big 10 tournament. If they, uh, if they can't figure some things out. So, um, there's still plenty of time. Uh, but yeah, the trend has definitely not been upward. Unlike the men who, uh, well, at least got a decent win, uh, against Rutgers last Saturday. Is any win over Rutgers something that we can call decent? Well, yes, in the same way that not stepping in dog feces is always a decent move. I, I'm. That's such a low bar. Well, it is Rutgers. <laughs> oh my god! Well, and I guess I don't know that we can bitch too much because we did lose to Rutgers already once. That was sad. Let us never let us never lose to Rutgers ever again. Absolutely. The the big difference between the Rutgers game and the Maryland game are uh, the following two things. 20 for 25 
10 for 24. 20 for 25 is what the Gophers shot from the free throw line. 10 of 24 is what they shot from behind or behind the three-point line. And if we're being real honest, that should be probably 10 of 23 since we should not count the Brady Rudrod less than a minute to go shoot it from 27 feet. Why not? Three-pointer. The Gophers in the second half of the Rutgers game played for about seven minutes their absolute best basketball. And yes, it is Rutgers, who is not a particularly good team, though it is a team that beat Ohio State the game before, which tells you a couple of things. One, the Big Ten's weird. Two, on any given night, there's enough talent on the other team to do something. The reason why it was so good is the same thing that people complained about. uh, Patino in his zone offense all year, the Gophers just hit shots. Dupree McBrayer was four for six from behind the arc. Gabe Kalsher was three for seven, but was getting good looks. Isaiah Washington was two of two from the three-point line. Isaiah Washington, who incidentally had his best game of of the year, probably the best game he's had in his career, and also got a Bobby Orr, got a goal and assist, and got thrown out of the game for fighting. (laughs) Nice. But what was so good about it, and is what Patino's off, zone offense has been trying to do, is clearly predicated on having at least one person who can make a team pay from deep. Because if not, the zone can collapse really hard and pack the paint, and it makes it almost impossible to get uh, driving lanes open, passing lanes are non-existent. I don't think the Gophers have done a good job executing on a ball movement perspective, and there are some things that I really do wish would change about the zone offense. I continue to maintain that it is very weird when your point guard is six foot eight that he is not sitting on the nail and directing traffic from inside the zone at all times. But that's Patino's call, and Patino knows a lot more about basketball than I do, contrary to our commenters' opinions, perhaps. There was a possession in the second half of the Rutgers game, though, that I am going to find and gif and just be like, do this all the time. I'm going to be Brian Anderson coaching wide receivers. (laughs) Because what it was was the Gophers uh, came off, I think, a rebound and so got up the court quick. Rutgers was back fast enough such that they could set the zone, but they weren't totally set. And so that's one of the things that this team needs to do. It needs to exploit the fact that it is a very good transition basketball team. That's the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened is there were quick, direct passes that forced the zone to move laterally. And then immediate ball reversal, which opened up a driving lane and a passing lane. The driving lane was taken to throw a pass to the short corner. And then that was spun around uh, to a wide open Gabe Kalsher who nailed a three-point shot down. It was a perfect zone offense possession. And almost relatively shortly thereafter, Rutgers sort of pulled itself out of the zone because the Gophers were able to break it down. That's the kind of thing that this team is capable of doing. The players have not executed it well for most of the year. And one of the hopes is that the Rutgers game was a way that they may have exercised some of those demons against the zone. So that was fantastic. Also, they are still in a situation where of the five games that they were going to play, starting with Wisconsin, we expected a split, Wisconsin and Maryland. I don't necessarily think people expected the split that they got, winning at the Kohl Center, losing to Maryland at home. But then the next game, next three games were expected to be wins. They won the first one, they need to win the next two. If so, if that ends up occurring, they're going to be 5-2 and two in Big Ten play 
which is an excellent start. They need to run through the next five games, probably a similar four and one, three and two situation. Definitely no worse than three and two because the back half of the schedule is murder. At the same time, 10 wins in Big Ten play probably still gets them into the tournament. So they're shooting for 10, hopeful for more. So I, I think I think if we look looking ahead, one of the things that's exciting to watch about the basketball team is to watch this basketball team actually play well. And the final thing that I would say is uh, Amir Coffey can continue to do highlight reel dunks for the rest of the season, and I'm super here for it. Andy, any big thoughts for you on the men? No, I, I mean, yeah, I think uh, as, as Street said, you know, they when this team is on, they're really, really good. Uh, they just, for whatever reason, whether it's mentally or things like that, can get into lapses where they're just playing absolutely poorly. Um, but yeah, the next two we, at Illinois is an absolute must win. At home against Penn State is an absolute must win, and then you get to the part of the schedule where it gets a little bit dicier. But um, you know, coffee we've seen bits and pieces this year where he's been playing out of his mind. Jordan Murphy now is the fourth best rebounder in Big Ten history, and he'll be second by the time the season's over. Um, looking at the numbers, I don't think he's, there's any way he can catch first unless he starts averaging about 22 rebounds a game, but he's not that good. Um, it's because Patino doesn't coach him well enough. Yeah, I guess. I, you know, just poor recruiting to get that guy out of Texas instead of... So. Alex Ilkinian. Yeah. Oh, Ilkinian. That dude left, right? Yes, he, did. he is no longer with the Badgers because he couldn't even crack that forward lineup, which tells you just how poorly he was um but yeah i mean now now we get to the point where you try and avoid a really bad loss and because it's minnesota you know unfortunately there's probably one somewhere on the schedule still um but if you can if you can win the games you need to win if you can split the games you need to split and even steal one or two that you shouldn't win yeah, there's no reason why this team can't roll into the NCAA tournament as a seven, eight, nine seed, and and they're again as we've seen, if they're on, this is a dangerous team that can make some noise. If they're off, they'll be one and done. They are really, really fast. bad. Yeah, they are really bad when they are off. I'm still just. I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to just kind of ride the Wisconsin win for a while. That's that's where I'm at in life. I. I'm a, I'm a small, petty individual who takes joy in the pain of my rivals. Um, football things have actually been happening, which is interesting. I'm not used to football things happening now, but apparently we're in this world where our assistant coaches are desirable for other teams and thus are offered opportunities with money and things like that. Uh, Andy, do you want to walk us through some of what's been going on with the coaches? Yeah, uh, coaching turnovers in in full effect for uh, for PJ Fleck and his assistants. Which um, you know, last year the Gophers lost a couple assistants and, and replaced them, and and uh, lo and behold, two of the guys that the uh, the Gophers brought in on to uh, replace assistant coaches that uh, left after last year have now gone. Uh, Marcus West, who is the defensive line coach, he is uh, departed back to Charlotte, uh, where he'll be the defensive coordinator. Um, for the guy who was his defensive coordinator back when uh, he worked at Austin Pay a couple years ago. Um, and uh, the Gophers hired a new defensive line coach, Jim Panagos, um, 
who was at Temple the last couple of years um, and was going to go with Jeff Collins to Georgia Tech, ironically, um, and was basically on Georgia Tech's quote-unquote payroll for a week before P.J. Fleck decided to poach him. So he's now um, going to be the Gophers defensive line coach. Um, he's got the Joe Rossi connection. He worked with Rossi at Rutgers 2011-2012. Um, um, was two-time up for the Broyles Award, which is the nation's top assistant coach, um, in 2017 when he was with Temple, and in 2009 he was uh, Football Scoop's National Defensive Line Coach of the Year when he was with Central Florida. So um, I think that's a pretty good hire there and, and somebody who uh, can step in and make a difference right away in the Gophers' defensive line. Um, and additionally, we've, we found out today that uh, Jamil Aday, uh Gophers' secondary coach, who, who came in to replace... Um, I'm forgetting his name. Mo Linquist. There you go, Mo, who went to uh, Texas A&M. Um, he is going to leave the Gophers to go back to West Virginia and be their cornerbacks coach. Uh, Aday is a, is a West Virginia grad, so he's heading heading home. But uh, as we were talking about a little bit, means the Gopher secondary will have their third different coach in three seasons, um, which will be interesting, and as we'll get into in a few minutes about uh, recruiting and things like that, Aday was also the main recruiter out in Las Vegas, and uh, the Gophers were making inroads in uh, Desert Pines High School out in Las Vegas, um, and it'll be interesting to see how that all changes with Aday now heading off to Morgantown. Do you guys have any concern about the turnover? Uh, I know I, I personally don't, but I'm interested to hear if you guys are in any way concerned about this, about the coaching turnover of the last two years. Yeah, if the coaches they replace suck, then I'll have concerns about it. The the football, in some level, you don't want that much continuity. You want some continuity, of course, but if you have expl- like continuity forever, one of two things is occurring. Either you have Bud Foster on your staff, who I think in order to get out of Blacksburg, it's required that you say some weird incantation because he's not moving. Or you have Brian Anderson. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the Jerry Kill era definitely showed some of the downsides of continuity. I don't think it's great that our defensive backs, and I say are because, as you know, we are all integral members of the Gopher football team that the defensive backs for the University of Minnesota are in great shape, that they keep getting different position coaches. On the other hand, the defensive backs seem to be doing just fine, and one of the things that appears to be true is that P.J. Fleck is overall doing quite a good job, massive notable exception Rob Smith accepted, in finding people from his staff. You'll be shocked to know that Jim Panagos was at Rutgers. And the open defensive back coach, I would not be shocked, has some ties to Rutgers. If it is Tyrone Carter, I will be phenomenally annoyed. But outside of that, I'm sure he will make another good hire. And ultimately, as long as the major stuff is staying the same and the overall program continuity is staying the same, bringing in new coaches that are good recruiters is overall a positive thing. It is never a bad thing when other Power 5 top programs want to steal your staff. It indicates that your staff is good at their jobs. And I would much prefer to be in a situation where the Gophers are constantly having to find new, awesome, good people because their previous good, awesome people were doing a great job. 
Yeah, I'm going to issue, first of all, I agree with all of that. Second of all, I'm going to issue my, my nuclear hot take of the day. If Minnesota hires a dude who outed a victim of sexual assault publicly on Twitter, I am going to be really fucking pissed. Yeah, I'll be on the far PJ Fleck bandwagon. I also don't think that has a shot in hell of happening, but I'm just, just saying now. No, it's not going to happen, but th- I'm putting that out as my hot take towards all the people who are like, no, no, hire him. Look, Tyrone Carter did great things as a gopher. Tyrone Carter, his entire set of behavior around the whole mess during the end of the Clays era was unconscionable, and I am not going to settle for the University of Minnesota pulling some bullshit and hiring him. They won't. But if they did, that's just a deal breaker for me because that's not how you do things, um, which is why he won't get hired, thankfully, in this case. Well, uh, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I won't be surprised to see them pull somebody, somebody's name who will absolutely no recognize, you know, um, when the Gophers lost Ed Warner late last year to Michigan, they came up with this Clay Patterson guy who everybody was like, who? And all of a sudden he's looking like he's going to be a, a fairly decent sized uh Coach is going to have a role in the future of this Gopher offense. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, they don't even necessarily hire another D-backs coach. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Harasimiak, who they hired from Maine, gets moved. And he, he's he's coached D-backs before. If he ends up coaching there and they find a different, you know, linebacker or something other on the defense. Um, I think we've seen when, when some of these coaching changes are done that, that P.J.'s got a list and he's got, whether they've ties to who he's worked with in the past, like this Panagos and, and, and Rossi before, um, he's been able to, to track down some names that, uh, you know, go for fans or a lot of saying who, but have ended up playing pretty big roles on this staff. Um, and just going back to the, to the you know, argument of turnover. Now, please... People who actually listen to this don't take this the right way. I'm not comparing Minnesota to Alabama. But just to show you that staff turnover isn't necessarily crippling, Alabama lost eight coaches from its coaching staff two years ago to last year, and they've lost seven this offseason already from to the 2019 schedule. So um, coaching turnover doesn't necessarily have to be a huge detriment to uh, to the future of your team the next season. Hey, and if you're not a fan of coaching turnover, may I suggest you look at Michigan State, where after posting one of the worst offensive seasons in school history, the solution Mark D'Antonio came up with was, everybody keeps their jobs, but I put all their names into a hat and draw new titles for them. So, like, the offensive line coach is now the offensive coordinator, and the tight ends coach is now coaching quarterbacks, and, uh, you know... Just, just switch it. Just switch everybody around. Make them wear a different hat, and everything will be fine. Um, so, if, if coaching change is not for you, uh, Mark D'Antonio's got a got a an interesting approach. You might like. Just saying. All right, Andy, you miss, you mentioned uh, Desert Pines High School, uh, out in Nevada, on Las Vegas. Uh, that's a interesting. Uh, note you put in there, given that our latest transfers from that school, unless I am mistaken. That would be correct. Um, the Gophers had two potential transfer candidates on campus this past weekend, and uh, one of them received an offer and will be transferring, and that's uh, Randall Grimes, a wide receiver who 
was formerly with the University of Southern California. Um, Grimes played two seasons, although he didn't actually play last year, it sounds like. So um, he's really only played in 2017, only had two catches. So has not made a, a big impact for the Trojans, but he was stuck behind some pretty high-level guys who are going to have NFL futures. Um, but the thing that Matt Simon and P.J. Flecker decided is he's 6'4", 205. And the Gophers, while they have lots of high-quality receivers already on this roster, don't have any of those really big you know, playmaking type guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially as, as he'll have to sit out the 2019 season um, as a transfer candidate, if, if you know, Fleck and, and Simon work with him on that scout team and, and see if he can uh, really jump in, take a bigger role after Tyler Johnson, who, if you've been following Twitter later today, officially announced, even though it wasn't really a surprise that he's coming back for his senior season next year and not entering the NFL draft. Um, once Tyler graduates, uh, Grimes can sort of maybe step into the lineup and, and play a larger role. But uh, yeah, he is from Desert Pines High School, Las Vegas. The Gophers have a nice little pipeline going from Desert Pines right now. Uh, Cam Wiley, the running back recruit they got in this year's class, is from Desert Pines. Jordan Howden, the safety is from Desert Pines, and oh, by the way, there's a five-star uh, tight end slash defensive end in the 2020 class from Desert Pines that the Gophers have um, offered and have paid plenty of attention while visiting Wiley and some of these other players out in Las Vegas that they're going to be uh, working very, very hard to see if they might be able to get on campus here uh, very soon. Uh... I am excited because we get to end on a good note, and that good note is actually hockey. Um, it's been a little while since we've gotten to be positive about hockey. So uh, we swept on the road at Notre Dame this past weekend, correct? That would be correct. The Gophers got their first sweep of the year, first sweep of the 2018-19 season, the Bob Motzko era at Notre Dame. Uh, the Irish, who were previously ranked number nine in the country, uh, couple of big wins for the Gophers. Matt Robson has been just playing out of his mind. Uh, the last three wins, the Gophers are 3-0, and and Robson's given up three goals total in those three games. Um, so when the Big Ten awards come out on Tuesday, if he's not the number one Big Ten star of the week, just whoever's doing that just needs to quit, because uh, it will be a travesty if he's not the Big Ten number one star this week. Um but yeah, Blake McLaughlin, freshman from Grand Rapids, got his first two goals as Gophers. Uh, they end up being the game winners both nights. Um, you know, in a, in a 5-1 win, getting the, the game-winning goal isn't a big deal. But uh, Saturday night, huge goal. Uh, 7.8 seconds left in the game. Tyler Sheehy hits McLaughlin streaking up the ice, and he puts a sweet backhand in the corner of the net, give the Gophers a 2-1 win, clinch the sweep. Um and then probably have one hell of a bus ride home. They were supposed to be flying home, but thanks to the weather that uh, that Chris can probably talk about that that nailed uh, nailed the sort of the belt south of Chicago, South Bend, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, etc. Uh, their charter flight didn't show up, so they got to take a nice nine-hour bus ride home uh, after the sweep. But luckily, they got a sweep and didn't get swept because that could have been one ugly bus ride home if uh, things had turned out the other way. I'm unclear how they had problems. Um, clearly, the flight crew is not from Minnesota because any Minnesotan would have looked at the snowfall, quote-unquote, that we received around here and just laughed. Um, 
six to nine inches here in the Cincinnati area, you would have thought the world had come to an end. It was 24 hours after the snow stopped falling and people were still telling each other, please be safe when you go outside. And I'm like, I mean, you could have been outside the whole time. It was only six to nine inches. So, um, yeah, I feel bad for them that they had to ride the bus, but somebody needs to talk to their flight crews about, you know, what real weather is. Um, or perhaps more accurately, the South Bend airport needs to invest in a, you know, plow of some kind. Um, so what, besides Robson being really good, um, what was different for the team offensively? Um, cause obviously putting pucks in the net has been kind of a problem, uh, for a while now. Um, what, what was, what was the big change? Anything in particular? You know, it, it's tough to tell. Um, I mean, the offense was there, and then it wasn't. They only did score two goals on on Saturday night, so it's it's not like the offense was you know banging down the door. But yeah, their five goals Friday night, um, they they just they went to the net. They uh, you know they didn't play quote unquote pretty hockey like they do sometimes. They went and got nice passes from behind the net. They they scored their goals right in front of the goalie and. Uh, you know, did what they needed to do to, to find the seams and find the creases rather than trying to make too many pretty passes and too many pretty plays. And that's going to be the secret of this team. They just, they need to, whether it get means getting gritty or whether it means, you know, just trying to hit some good quality passes rather than some, some fancy passes, getting things open. This team is now 7-1 and one where they scored three or more goals during the season. So if they can get to that magic three number, things are looking really good for them because Matt Robson's been great in goal. Eric Shehorn in the in the times he's gotten some actions have been pretty good. Um, they just need to find a way to get to that magic three, and uh, you know it, it's just going to take some grinding in front and trying not to make the prettiest pass and trying not to make the extra pass. Uh, you know, going back to the series against Penn State the weekend before. Friday night when they lost to the Nittany Lions, that was part of the problem is they kept trying to make the extra pretty pass when it's like, shoot shoot the damn puck on net. There were a couple times where their guys had wide open looks, but instead of putting the puck on net and trying to get a rebound, they tried making one more pretty pass that was then stolen and taken the other way and things like that. So they just got to get out of their heads and, and get into the mindset of, you know, put the puck on net and good things will happen, hopefully. And, um... You know, hopefully this is a, a turning point to their season. They're in second place in the Big Ten right now at the at the exact halfway point. Um, you know, they, they head to East Lansing and Michigan State. Michigan State's in, in dead last right now in the Big Ten. So this is, you know, you're not going to say any road series in the Big Ten is a must sweep. But if you can get four, even five points out of this weekend, um, you know, you'll be, you'll be sitting pretty by the time you have to take trips back to Columbus later in the year. And uh, you've still got to play play Michigan again you still gotta play Notre Dame again so um you gotta take the points where you can get them but uh yeah you know this team is 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 definitely on the upswing from where they were a couple weekends ago um but they got a lot of work to do uh their two bad losses to St. Lawrence and to Ferris State at home are pairwise killers right now if they had won both those games they'd be 13th in the pairways right now instead of 24th where they are. So um, they got a lot of work to do, and it still may take winning the Big Ten to, to make the NCAA tournament. But uh, hopefully if they can continue to play like they did this weekend, that won't be nearly as arduous a task. Uh, Alex, um, the LA Kings brought Snoop Dogg in to comment on hockey uh, this week. Uh, if you if you have not seen this video, I suggest you Google it, folks listening. Uh, do you have any 
uh, keen analytical thoughts a la Snoop Dogg to add about the hockey performance before we call it a night? Yeah, I'm sure Snoop Dogg's commentary on the LA Kings would be substantially better than my commentary would be on hockey. Uh, not unless it, if you use the word crack-a-lackin', you'll already be pretty close. I'm fairly certain that if I used that word, there would be a variety of other problems that were associated with my commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just throw in, oh, sorry, just not to interrupt, but I'll just throw in one note about the women. Um, the women got a sweep at Mankato last week. They've now won 14 games in a row. Um, they get Wisconsin at home this weekend at Ritter Arena, which is arguably their biggest series of the year right now. Uh, the Badgers, even though they lost to Ohio State Friday night, somehow of the 15 voters on the USCHO poll, 11 of them still decided to call Wisconsin the number one team over the Gophers, which I don't really get and will complain about for whatever. So it's still one versus two this weekend. Wisconsin's still the one. I, I don't understand why they are. You would think Minnesota should be the one. But they can rightfully get the number one if they can uh, they can take down the Badgers at home this weekend. And um, chances are whoever comes out with uh, the most points this weekend probably will end up winning the uh, WCHA regular season title. So uh, big weekend for the women. Uh, hopefully they can pull it off at home. Andy, you're not bitter about that at all. Not at all. I mean... For, for those of you who don't follow, and I'm sure most of you don't, I also vote in a poll on the Ice Garden, which is SB Nation's women's hockey blog. And the same thing happened there. Um, there's ten voters there, and, and six of them decided to put Wisconsin number one. And I don't quite understand how that happens, because you would think after a loss, the team that's won 14 games in a row might leapfrog them. But, you know, whatever. Uh, the goal... Andy, Andy, it's almost as if human polls can have bias and are not to be trusted. Uh, too many damn Badger fans got votes in these polls, I have to tell you. So uh, <laughs> just, just let the Gophers take care of business this week, see if they can at least get uh, you know a win. Well, a split would be, a split is a must, but a sweep of the Badgers would be uh, really, really good going into the home stretch here of the, the women's season. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to the Sky U podcast. Back again for our 2019 half of this season. So excited to keep this going. Uh, in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky U Ma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.